0: Anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
2: Hi, this is Kurt Whitsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Welcome to Hello Somebody, a production of the Black Effect Network on iHeartRadio. Before we begin, I want to give a big thank you to my team, the team that makes this show happen every week. Thank you, Grace and Co. for graphics, Pepper Chambers, the hot one for writing, Angelo Greco and Anna Mesa for social media, Tiffany Hale for everything, Erica Eklund for Patreon support and production by the folks at Large Media. That's L-A-R-J Media. Oh my God, Miss Martez Chisholm, I am—you just don't know how honored I am to have you with me. Before we get started, I must say that those your eyeglass game is on fleek. We got that in common, baby. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> you got a red pair and I have a red
5: pair. Yeah, we got to let everybody know that we somebody. We are somebody.
4: <laughs> Hello, in, somebody. Hello, somebody. <laughs> What makes you gravitate to a certain frame? Because it's a statement. You're making a statement right now.
5: The statement I want to send is that I'm bold, different, and not part of the status quo. Go and, ahead. And that, that, that's what I've been trying to send. Like, I'm not part of the status quo, not trying to be part of the status quo, trying to be different, want to reform,
4: want to be bold, and want to be radical. I I know that's right. (laughs) Bold, different, and not part of the status quo. (laughs) That's a slogan. That's a campaign slogan right there. Hello, somebody. (laughs) Not part of it and don't want to be part of it. (laughs) Come on now. So you and I met during the Bernie Sanders 2016 campaign. Yeah, in South Carolina. And the nurses, as I recall kind of kicked the door in on that campaign and said, we support you and ain't nothing you can do about it.
5: Yeah, that's right. Because uh, Senator Sa- Sanders, he supported our values and he had the courage and, and he was a champion. And uh, And that's what we felt, that we needed a champion. And also he is not part of the status quo. Nationalist Nurses, you not not, not part of the status quo. And I'm not part of it. My family or not, we have always been bold And so I wanted to go to, yeah, bold and different. And so when they asked me to go to South Carolina, I jumped on it because South Carolina is part of the civil rights movement, just like the South, Mississippi and Tennessee. I was part of the civil rights movement with my great grandmother, and I felt it was necessary that I went to South Carolina so I could talk to to the Black voters you know, talk about the movement and why Senator Sanders was the best choice at that time.
4: At that time, and also in 2020, you brought up your grandmother. Great grandmother. Great-grandmother. Great-grandmother.
5: Great-grandmother. Yeah. Her name Berta. is Bertie
4: Kegler. So being engaged in civil rights is in your DNA, we could say. Tell us about your great-grandmother and why she is such a significant force in your life, even to this very day.
5: So my great-grandmother, she was a civil rights activist and a a, a powerful freedom fighter in Mississippi, and she worked with Stokely Carmichael and SNCC. Uh, She was uh, his contact person in Mississippi.
4: Nonviolent Coordinating Committee for people who might not know what SNCC stands for. Okay.
5: Right, and uh, Stokely was one of the prominent organizers. He was a great organizer, you know, going back. That's why... I was upset at President Clinton.
4: You better talk when he, about when, it.
5: When, when When he, uh, uh, you know, attacked Stokely Carmichael at John Lewis' funeral, because so Stokely Carmichael was a great organizer, and we can't take that away. He was over Mississippi. John Lewis was over Alabama. So she worked with Stokely Carmichael. Stokely Carmichael would come to her home, and then with the organizer from the North, all over, and then they would walk up the creek. The homes were built in the middle of a creek in Charleston, Mississippi. So they would go knock on people's doors, you know, black people doors to register them to vote. And uh, 1965, she marched with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and John Lewis in Selma, Alabama. And then 10 months later, January 11, 1966, she went to Jackson, Mississippi to give a testimony for four other civil rights activists, a testimony on voter suppression and poverty. Yeah. And on her way back home, the clans forced their car off the road and she was decapitated. Oh my. And so when I went to her funeral, you know, I was almost five years old. When all adults was crying, even though I was almost five years old, I understood what was going on. I believe that my great grandmother planted her seeds in me as a child. And so at her funeral, I promised her, because it was another civil rights activist who died in the accident. And I made a promise at five years old to my great grandmother that her death would not be in vain. And I've been on the battlefield participating in the fight since I was a kid. My mother would take me to the fights in Memphis, Tennessee. We participated in the NAACP. We had a powerful leader and her name was Maxine Smith. And she organized the black communities in Memphis. And we participated in all of that. We, the NWCP had called for a, if you're black, take it back campaign. And what that campaign was that we would not shop downtown Memphis, Tennessee until they met our demands. And so I participated with that with my mother. Every time my mother was, went, she dragged me along and it was in my blood because both of us was determined that my great-grandmother death
4: would not be inviting. I mean, it was trial by fire for you, you know, understanding at a very young age, having that connection. And when I hear you talk about this, I feel like it was a spiritual connection because you were very young. You were just a baby. It was very
5: spiritual because I can still remember, you know, I've been to a lot of funerals since she died. I went to my father's funeral. I went to my brother's funeral. I went to my grandmother's funeral but I don't remember their funeral, but I can still remember her funeral when they were taking the casket out to church. And I still remember my promise to her.
4: Um, you were destined to, to be doing what you were doing right now. And I'm sure, you know, you and I both believe that there is another place, a heaven, and that your great grandmother is there saying, you, you making me proud. So Memphis, Tennessee, The If You Are Black, Take It Back campaign.
5: Oh, yeah. I stayed in Memphis till I was 18. When I was living in Memphis, I was proud to be black. because We were black and we were
4: proud. Come on, say Uh, it loud. (laughs) I'm black and I'm proud.
5: James Brown, baby. Say it loud. Yeah, that's what I was slogan. Black and I'm proud. Yeah, and we fought every day. And then uh, up until 1979. And then after 1979, that's that's when I noticed a shift. From I'm black and I'm proud. Since we had a seat at the table, we thought we had overcome. Come on. But we didn't. We should have kept on.
4: Right. We only had one seat at the table. <laughs> we didn't have several seats at the table, just one. And so we kind of pulled back. Reflecting on the, the boycotting if you are black, take it back. So if we can't be serviced properly, that kind yeah. of thing, right? we not going to spend our money. Our money is green. So you're going to respect right. the green if you don't respect nothing else. So they wanted the green, but they didn't respect the person right. handing out the green. Do you think that, I mean, the black community today wields a lot of economic power. I mean, our style, and I'm talking about popular culture style is is emulated all over the world. Do you think that if more African-Americans had a connection to their roots and understood our history, that we could hold the same similar boycotts, not just for, you know, buses and products, but also for criminal justice reform, for education, for jobs, to close the wealth gap in this country? Could we use a, a slogan like that? Do you think that a campaign such as that would work in the 21st century?
5: I believe uh, a campaign like that will work. And what I think happened was when the Democrat Party co-opted our movement, you know, we stopped demanding for Black people. And we stopped getting into good trouble. See, in the 60s, we, we got into good trouble. They didn't just give us what we have today. We had to get in good trouble. And so since 1979 up until now, we have not been getting into no trouble. And and then what upsets me is the Democratic Party always want to focus on the Black vote, get out the vote. And they want to talk about that part of our sixty Rights movement, but they don't want to talk about the good trouble part. And, And what we need to do is to do both, address voter suppression and get back into the good trouble. And I think once we educate the younger people, I mean, I mean, they already understand, but once we go back, talk to the our elders and help them remember what we went through to get to this, I, I think that's what we need to do. We we need to to get our elders to remember how we got to today.
4: Sister Chisholm from James Baldwin, when he said something like, This might not be verbatim, so I don't want to misrepresent. Know from whence you came. Right. If you know from whence you came, there's virtually nowhere you cannot go. Now, we can flip that around. If you don't know where you came from, you ain't going far. No, no we're not. Right. But, and,
5: and our young, you know, like the younger generation, they are following in our footsteps but because we didn't teach them about our history, they kind of think that they...
4: They started the revolution. Yeah, that's
5: what I was going to say. <laughs> that's they, are, they think. <laughs> Yeah, they, they're thinking yeah. because we never talked to them in history that they started the revolution. And uh, so that's why we need to go back and talk about our good trouble days so that they know that the revolution was started, you know, with their ancestors, their grandmothers, and, and, and not... Ancestors from slavery, ancestors yeah. that are still alive.
4: Yeah, the ancestors like recent, recent, not not your grandmother, your because yeah. I,
5: I think I saw something on, on, on Chris Rock, uh one of his Facebook pages where somebody said, I'm sorry about what your ancestors went through, and Chris Rock said, You mean my grandmother? Come <laughs> you on. know, like you know, let them know we ain't talking Talk about, about two, three hundred, four hundred years, right? we talking about my grandmother and mother who is still living today. That's
4: right. In this country in particular, there is not a reverence for history period, you know, and especially African-American history, but we don't understand and and, and are able to connect the dots. And it is vitally important to understand that. And, and I always say, and I would always teach my students this in class that black history is America's history. Right. America would not be America today if it were not for, as Zora Neale Hurston says, the people whose skin has been kissed by the sun. We right. built this, literally, literally built this country on our backs and our, our bodies and our sweat and our tears. Sister Chisholm, I want you to go back, though, to something you said about good trouble is a phrase that was coined by the Honorable John Lewis. The Honorable. I wanted to pause right there for a minute. <laughs> right. The Honorable John Lewis coined that phrase. And the po- a point that you were making about we as a collective people have been making no trouble since 1979. What is good trouble in your estimation for the 21st century? What type of good trouble do we need to get into?
5: Good trouble for me today is fighting for bold progressive platforms and, and, and not to just say I'm a progressive. We need to talk about what progressive is to us and name some policies that we're fighting for. And to me, some of the uh, good trouble policy is Medicare for all. Come on. Not healthcare for all, Medicare for all. And the Green New Deal. That's good trouble. Yeah, Criminal justice reform, that's good trouble to me. And reparation and it's counseling horrible. student debt. It's, it's a lot. And we shouldn't be ashamed to say that we are fighting for this because it seems like we don't want to call the policy by name because we don't want to offend the Democratic Party because we know they're not on board. But forget about them. When we don't call it by name, we are offending people living in poverty. Yeah. And I'm more concerned with the, the folks living in poverty and their feelings than trying to be politically correct. So we want to offend the Democratic Party.
4: You better preach that sermon. Ooh, we. Hello, somebody.
5: <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what's happening now is we're so happy to be in the Democratic Party, but, but our ancestors didn't die for us to be in the Democratic Party. Our ancestors died for us to fight the Democratic Party and fight for the people. That's what I'm doing.
4: Oh, you are doing that. You know, when I think about people like Fannie Lou Hamer making good trouble, she did that, an ultimate sacrifice. Let me back up. In terms of, you know, being thrown in jail and beaten and all just because she wanted to, to to vote. I mean, for for the crime of, of just wanting to vote, and, and people don't understand. Kicked off the sharecroppers land because the sharecropper you don't own anything. You know, you own right. somebody else's land.
5: And, she, and what about too when they performed the hysterectomy on her without her permission? Yes. And I'm surprised Medicare for All is not resonating with the Black community because all the injuries that Black people went
4: through. Mental, and physical, slavery, spiritual, yes.
5: To me, that should be reparation, that we all should get it because they denied it. And the only reason we don't have, a lot of people don't know this either. I did a paper on healthcare reform. The only reason we don't have universal healthcare is because the white people in the South didn't want it to include black people. Probably if they would have passed universal healthcare while black people, we would at least have have some kind of universal care. Yes. cause they didn't want us to be included. And and you you hear these same discussion now in the 60s, it was black people they didn't want to include and now it's the undocumented. They always want to leave someone out.
4: And the day that we're speaking of, we going to name some names even though we can't name individual names, but the day we're talking about the folks who control the power, the people who we have given our power to if they're elected. And then there's another level of power from the corporatist side. And since healthcare, for example, is commodified because it amasses wealth for a certain group of folks, but the health care, not even health care, the health insurance, I should say insurance companies. Right. That's what, that's why we don't have reform right now, because the insurance companies are a powerful force and they do not want Medicare for all. It goes is the antithesis of what they really want. I certainly believe as you do in the United the United Nurses. You all were on the cutting edge though, Sister Chisholm, of of fighting for Medicare for all. You all were ahead of most leaders on this. For a long yeah. time, nurses have been in the been standing in the gap saying that we need a real healthcare system in this country because we don't we don't have a health care. There's no care in the system right now.
5: Right. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's because as as nurses, uh, uh we've been taking care of the uninsured for decades. And uh when we sit down and talk to our patients, we hear the horror stories and how uh no health care has impacted their lives. And uh we keep seeing a whole lot, a lot of re-emissions where people, you know, just keep coming in because they don't have access to health care. And so we decided. That uh it was time to leave the bedside and hit the streets. Come on. And so we've been in the streets fighting for Medicare for all. We were single In We've been sounding alarm for decades, and we're not gonna stop. We're not gonna stop till victory is won. And so we, we, we're gonna keep on fighting. And, and that's why we're gonna continue to get into good trouble.
4: So speaking of that, you started an organization called Good Trouble Matters. Tell us about that. But
5: well, the reason I started uh, Good Trouble Matters uh, was after the South Carolina in 2020. You know, I just got tired of seeing the Black votes just continue t- to go to the uh, the status quo Democrats. And, uh, and me both. the progressives have the best policies that will will uplift Black people And I don't understand why that's not resonating. So the only thing I could think of is not resonating with the Black community, the Black voters, is because we need to go talk to the Black people. We need to be in the Black communities, just like Stokely Carmichael and my great grandmother. They, They knocked on every door. They talked about ending segregation. They talked about voting rights. They talked about poverty. And I think most of the people do want what we want, but we just have to talk to them and let them know that it's okay to get in good trouble because that's that's what our ancestors did. They got in good trouble. Good Trouble Matters, our group, and it's a multi racial, intergenerational group. Because what I'm hearing too is I've heard a lot of the young Black activists saying that they would like to work with the elders. So our mission is to bring together the young generation and the older generation, so we can join this fight together instead of bumping heads with each other.
4: Well, that's how we're gonna get it done. That's how it has always been done—is with cross-generational pollination. I want to call it. Listen, you say that it reminds me of a song uh, called "Glory." You know, it was John Legend and Common, and there's a a line in that song that talks about we need the wisdom of the elders yes. and, and, and the energy. I don't know if they call it energy, but I believe, but the energy of the youth, but it's that synergistic connection that right. really is going to get us to change that we need. And that, that song, that was the major song in the movie Selma about Selma. Right.
2: About
4: march. Yeah. Glory is one, is one of my favorite songs when I'm in the, when I'm trying to get into a certain head space <laughs> about our history, I go oh, yeah. pop, pop on me some glory. How do people sign up? How can they find you? In Good trouble matters.
5: We're just starting. I just went on. We just decided to go ahead and put this out. You know, we don't have any funding. We just put this out. So right now, it's a web page. People can go to goodtroublematters.com to check out our web page and to see what our missions is. So we're we're starting out just like just like my great grandmother in Mississippi. they didn't have any money. They just started our meetings. And that's how this started out. As a meeting, we're not part of any 501C, none of that yet. It's a vision. And I decided to not, you know, keep the vision on the back burner until we get everything together. Sometimes you just have to step out on faith. So right now, yeah, our faith do. is putting the Good Trouble Matters webpage, getting that created.
4: <laughs> well, I want definitely want people to go and visit that webpage, goodtroublematters.com. So the Black Lives Matter movement has made quite an impact. Do you see some parallels between the Black Lives movement and, let's say, the Freedom Riders, kids that were on those marches? Are there any similarities and differences between the 20th century freedom movement? Really, pretty much the 20th century Black Lives Matter campaign. We can frame it that way because you're absolutely right. right. None of this stuff is new. In the 21st century, we have different tools. We didn't have Twitter right. and Instagram and Facebook and and all the things that we have right now, Twitch and all of that. What are the similarities and the differences between the 20th century version of Black Lives Matter and the 21st century Black Lives Matter? And are there lessons that we can learn?
5: The parallel between the Black Lives Matter and the civil rights movement is both were a youth movement. But the difference between the Civil Rights Movement and the Black Lives Matter movement is it's more white people involved. When I was living in the South and when we were going through Jim Crow and segregation, we were wishing for more whites. I mean, we had the, you know, the white students that came with the Freedom Summer. But in our states, we were praying for white support, you know, local support. Sure, sure. And when I see Black Lives Matter, all the white supporters in all the states, it just makes me just stop and just shake my head because I can't believe it. You know, they have carried the torch further than we did in the 60s. And I'm so proud of that because uh, what did Ellen Baker say, but she said something about until white mothers... Yeah. Understand what black mothers went through. Come on.
4: Yes, she did say uh, that.
5: And, and I don't believe that we can get free or liberated. Till we all. to all of us. All God's children. Come all on. All God's children. That's what King talked about. Yes, he did. And, and, and we didn't and in the 60s, we didn't have all God's children. It was just a black and white fight. Right. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you it you was black and
4: white. Black, black, black and white, but on totally on opposite sides. Here we go, Sister Chisholm. Until the killing of black men, black mothers' sons, becomes as important to the rest of the country as the killing of a white mother's son, we who believe in freedom cannot rest until this happens. You better go and just drop the mic on that. That go (laughs) (laughs) and just go and drop the mic. Can we pause for a moment of silence on that? Because what she had to say in that moment is 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 apropos for this moment. Is it is as if Trayvon Martin, it is as right. if Sandra Bland, Tamir Rice. Come on, somebody, Breonna right. Taylor, and yeah, and, and Floyd, John Crawford the third. I mean George, it, it, George and, Floyd,
5: George uh, Floyd. So I, I'm telling you, I just, I, I just this year, Woo. I was just speechless. Because not only did white people, black people, brown people come out, they came out during a pandemic.
4: They did that. Their their, their
5: lives were on jeopardy, but they did not let that stop them. Nobody stopped them. Corona didn't stop them. The police didn't stop them. Nobody stopped them. That was Black Lives Matter.
4: It sure was. They taught us a whole lot. What, uh, what words of encouragement would you have for this generation? And what, what are some of your hopes for the future?
5: See, I, I think I'm different. I am not discouraged with the young generation. I am discouraged with the baby boomers. I am discouraged with the affluent Black people because during the civil rights movement, the affluent Black people, well, part of the freedom fight movement, just like the poor people, we were all united. We were all together. That is what hurts me the most, because in order to vote, you had to own property. So you were not a poor Black person. And for some reason, affluent Black people feel like they don't have to fight. And we all have to fight, because we all are still part of the 99%. If you're making less than $250,000, you are part of the 99%. You might be at the top scale of the 99%, but you still the 99%.
4: That's right. And depending on where you live, if you live in places like Seattle or Chicago or Manhattan or Los Angeles, $250,000 sounds like a lot of money, but depending on where you live... It really is not enough a lot of money, and how many people are in your family, what kind of debt that you have. So you are absolutely right, Sister Chisholm, that right. the ninety nine need to stick yeah. together.
5: But the yeah. young people uh, encourages me when I see them out there fighting. I just like, you know, when I was young, I used to hear the they said the old lady just sat back, she couldn't fight, she just waved her, her hands. Yeah. And I never understood that until now, because I'm getting older, and all I can do is just wave my hand and that's to let them know to keep on fighting. Come on, keep so on fighting. So the pushing. young people is inspiring me. The young people is, are the ones that, that keep me on the battlefield. And that's why I started this Good Trouble Matters to really talk to the old generations. Let's go back to our roots. You know, join this this fight with the young generation. So that that's what I my hope is. And that's what my dream is.
4: I'm with you, and that's why you started Good Trouble Matters. So uh, I encourage people to go visit you on the website and as you're building to join Good Trouble Matters, because good trouble does matter. Good trouble can change lives. All of the great accomplishments, especially for social justice, civil rights, any kind of justice, if it's in the realm of justice, somebody was making good trouble. Hello, right. somebody on that. Right. Yes. And,
5: and, and you jumping into this race. <laughs> it's <laughs> Oh, hello good trouble. somebody hello That's somebody because we it. need you we need you in washington dc
4: so you can make some good trouble <laughs> well thank you sister martice you uh you tweeted out <laughs> with these hands chicago <laughs> with these hands chicago is going to help ohio elect nina turner for congress with these hands yeah, we uh, we got to go back to yeah. our old rules. I mean,
5: yes. when the when the when the Democratic uh black caucus, they were strong. That that's what I'm used to, the Shirley Chisholm. Yeah. We we got to go back.
4: Mayor Carl V. Stokes, who was the first mayor of a major city that happened in Cleveland, Ohio. Right. Congressman Lewis Stokes, who actually was the congressman of it was called then the 21st. Uh, congressional District, which is now right. the 11th Congressional District in Ohio, that district was created through the Civil Rights Act mm-hmm. and the push of Mayor Carl B. Stokes to make it so. So when you say good trouble, good trouble does matter. He was using his power to make good trouble. And that is why Congressman Lewis Stokes was able to become the first black congressman from the great state of Ohio that's it. That's, the, that's now today's 11th Congressional District. It's changed a little bit because of redistricting. But my point here is that we need people who are willing, ready, willing, and able to make some kind of sacrifice for a greater good. Um, as right. somebody put it, to be able to plant trees whose shade they may not enjoy. That, that gets you right here. I mean, when you are on a mission, like your great-grandmother was, you know, on a mission... To testify before a congressional committee about voter suppression and poverty, her willingness and her counterpart's willingness to plant trees who yeah. shade they may not have been able to enjoy. And she didn't get to enjoy it because of ra- That was racism and bigotry that caused death. So when we talk, we talk about systemic that, that members of the KKK thought it okay that her voice and her agency was not allowed to not only confront her on the streets and let's, let's have an argument and debate, but they felt like they could kill her and they did. She was making good trouble. She planted a tree who shade she did not get to enjoy because somebody took her life and that right. of, you know, of, of the other person with her. So when I say sister Chisholm, everything that you do. I mean, you are quite a force and I am really glad that God brought us together. Now, not only did we meet in 2016, you know, in, in South Carolina, but I remember and, and Roseanne tomorrow, <laughs> I remember at the 2016 democratic convention, when I was not allowed to put Senator Satter's name in nomination and Roseanne called up the nurses and other folks You were right there by my side. And I will never forget. I mean, the the ability for me to publicly thank you and so many others. I had people whose name I knew and some people whose name I did not know. But them nurses were in formation. You know, Beyonce's formation. The nurses formed a formation for this sister right here. And I remember stickers. You know, (laughs) I stand with Nina and and how y'all, less than 24 hours, took over the media tent. Just took the whole tent Over, yeah, (laughs) for little old me, nurses, and other activists. There was Josh Fox, there, Rosario Dawson, Danny Glover, Susan Sarandon, Shalee Woodley, Winnie Wong, and some people who I did not know. You guys organized that unbeknownst to me, but the majority of the folks in that tip information with the nurses baby you don't mess don't mess with the nurses don't mess with the nurses don't mess with the nurses i'm telling you i that is something you you know we all have many memorable moments in our life i remember
5: that too it's all right nina we we
4: we with you we were with you in 2016
5: and we with you now (laughs) good trouble good trouble because no 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 trouble is not in our vocabulary no trouble is not in our it's good trouble if you want to roll with us (laughs) amen to
4: that and to be bold different and not part of the status quo. oh sister martini i I love you very much and thank you for joining us love you too (laughs) nita hello
5: somebody hello somebody And I can't wait to see you on (laughs) (laughs) C-SPAN.
4: Thank you so much. Hello Somebody is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
0: Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia.